listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Maternity Rx Podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Plummer, pharmacist and certified doula. so excited about today's interview. I was introduced to Jenna through our mutual pharmacy connections and learned that Jenna and I are both third generation pharmacists, have three daughters and practice using pharmacogenetics to improve maternal health. And while I practice evidence-based medicine, sometimes talk, fun to talk about numerology, especially the number three. If you do a quick Google search, it will show you that the number three brings good luck because it links to birth, the past, present, and future, as well as the mind, body, and spirit. So today's guest, Dr. Jenna Quinn, is a residency-trained, board-certified pediatric pharmacy specialist. You'll see those initials, BCPPS. She's an expert pediatric pharmacist. She developed the vision for perfecting peds based on her extensive background in medication management of the pediatric population personal love for children, and her desire to optimize more children's medical profiles. She has 10 years of safe medication management and direct patient care experience in the pharmacy field with a wide-ranging background in developing enhancing and managing clinical consulting programs. Dr. Quinn earned both her doctoral program doctoral degrees with high honors from the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy. She's a nationally board-certified pediatric pharmacist, as I said, a mom to three little girls, Haley, Peyton, and Avery. Dr. Quinn, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us how a little bit more about your story. It's pretty incredible how you got into the space where you are today to go ahead and, and create your own consulting program. Yeah, thank you so much, Danielle, for the, the introduction. Thanks in full transparency and in alignment with uh, maternal Rx. I have my my little, my youngest one, Avery, um, who just be breastfed and is um, sleeping on my lap. So you'll hear, she's kind of a snorer. So you'll, <laughs> you'll hear, you might hear her. Um, we're, we're due to get her adenoids checked. Um, but so Thank you so much for, for the nice um, introduction. Yes, I have been um, a pediatric pharmacist now uh, at some capacity in the hospital setting uh, for 11 years. So um, the very traditional pediatric pharmacist um, practices pretty exclusively in a hospital setting. So um, to date, we are really used in hospital and then um, we're also used in academia as well. And um, I'm sure there are exceptions, but um, after just like searching and looking for how many of there are us in the United States, which is a small number of less than 2000, and then looking, okay, where are we practicing? Um, it became very clear that we're really only utilized in those two types of capacity. And um, it, the nagging question of what can we do, how can we service the pediatric patients in the AM care space was, was continuously a question that I asked myself 
starting honestly at year one uh, of practicing and, and all the way through year 11 when I finally decided I needed to do something. So um, being a pharmacist in the NICU where I had um, interactions with moms and um, became you know, an expert in, in lactation and, and safety in, in high fetal maternal, um, high-risk fetal maternal medicine, but then also through the PICU and GenPEDS where um, I started taking care of children who are super, super complex. Um, and with that, there was always, to be um, quite frank and uh, not politically correct, there was always just like blanket medication errors um, on these children's charts. Um, and so I, again, did my due diligence and, and really tried to see, you know, first off, is, is there a place for us pediatric pharmacists in, in the AmCare space, whether it's servicing not only moms, but pediatric patients? Um, and the answer was after taking you know, numerous amount of beta patients that there was such a need and the amount of interactions that we were identifying the amount of really drug optimization um, interventions we are identifying was insane. Um, and we actually have some findings that are being published um, right now, which is very exciting. But essentially, I, um, a little bit of background, I have been, uh, for for three years prior, when my first was born, I actually sold skincare. Um, I did that because um, I wanted to find a way to go part time in the hospital so I could be more present for my for my children. And um, that was an avenue that I found um, that in sales you have more flexibility um and just time freedom and and i actually figured out with that i really enjoyed sales so um that's my non-traditional route of of that many pharmacists don't fall into um but with that i um really fell in love with just having my my own business and so when i rolled my two loves of sales and and pharmacy um into one uh that gave birth for lack of a better term to perfecting peds and so um the preface behind perfecting peds is we provide comprehensive ma management services to um, maternal health and pediatric patients um, in various capacities. So we do, we take on, um, in New Jersey, we've been able to contract with five various facilities. Um, we've also been able to take a good amount of private pay patients. And unfortunately, most of our maternal health patients are patients that have to pay privately due to billing capabilities. And then um, some really exciting opportunities out in Minnesota that we will be launching um, in an epilepsy clinic. Um, and as part of that, I'm on a task force that is um, really focused on uh, tubular sclerosis complex, but actually maternal health, health outcomes in patients with tubular sclerosis because it's not well studied. Um, and with that, we're, we're also launching some um, MTM programs out in, in Minnesota to help take care of these um, medically complex patients. So that's a little bit about uh, perfecting feeds, what we do and um, a long-winded way of, of sharing how I got started. Really, really incredible. There's so many pharmacists that we work inside our box and 
think this is the end all be all. And to hear your story, Jenna, you saw that need, you developed it. And I know there's a deeper story to it, being that third generation pharmacist, but let's take it back a step through your own pregnancy journeys. What happens with the mom, with the fetus while it's growing, while that mom is pregnant, has these outcomes in that baby, right? And sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't. You're working in a space now to research areas that have just been neglected. There's so much conflicting information. When women come to me and say, is this medication safe in pregnancy? It's a loaded question, right? We yeah. used to have <laughs> we used to have these guidelines, right? A, B, C, D, X. In right. 2015, it changed. I was covering a hospital shift last week and the pharmacist I was working with said to me, what happens when you go up to, to up to date or micromedics or Lexicomp or any of these drug resources we use? And I'm not working for any of them or promoting any of them. But now what happens when you go and you say, is a drug safe in pregnancy? Right. There's no clear answer, which is probably the right thing. But most yeah. pharmacists and definitely the doctors out there working with pregnant women don't have the time or insight or knowledge to look through the thorough complications that are potential, you know, possible with these right. medications, anything we ingest during pregnancy, whether it's a medication, a vitamin, a supplement, a, a food, it could be any, right. even farm grown food could have potential implications in that mom based on her own body, maybe other medications she's taking other disease states. We know what the population in the United States is like now, as far as weight, comorbid diseases. So, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here. Let's yeah. take a look at your perfecting peds, but you work with maternal health because of that continuity from the time the mom becomes pregnant till she delivers that baby to the child growing through their whole life, right? Yeah. You are yeah. bridging that gap. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, what is it that you do? How would you say, Hey, I'm here for you. This is how I can help. Yeah. So I think two, um, two things. So I also want to probably neglected to say, which is super important to this podcast and Danielle's well, well aware because she was actually <laughs> brought into this project was that um, something we're doing really unique for the maternal health population through Baptist healthcare system, which is a really innovative healthcare system out in Florida is that we're offering a fetal maternal wellness education to their pharmacists so that they can bring that into the clinic. Um, and then we're also developing out CEs so that we can basically make aware just fetal maternal wellness in general, because it's again, it's a neglected place in the um, pharmacist realm, at least. Uh, and so it's really cool that Danielle and uh, we've met, a, we have another a couple on our, on our teams. Um, but that that really have this this intricate knowledge of uh, fetal maternal maternal wellness. But um, so to to answer your question, when we have um, I've actually done the whole gamut. But I honestly have started working a lot of with a lot of patients in the private pay sector um, before they even conceived. Uh, the reason being is that 
a lot of these patients are on medications and they can't find a reliable reference resource person to tell them if it's okay for them to, to take these medications. And so a lot of times I'll have a straw female come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm on Claritin, Singular, um, a lot of times, many questions surrounding SSRIs, SNRIs, um, antipsychotics, like the mental health realm is where I, I do probably the majority of my counseling, but really starts at that preconception phase of, hey, I am I am thinking about getting pregnant and um, I'm scared to death because my primary care provider told me to come off all these medications. And so that is, you know, the start of where our, our consultative services are. So what we'll do is we'll do, we have like a proprietary, proprietary like 13, exactly 13 step that we, we walk through with every patient um, via comprehensive med management. Just like you alluded to, we do, we incorporate pharmacogenomics. Into, oh, there's, there's Avery include um, pharmacogenomics into um, majority of our patients, especially if they're interested and um, a no-brainer if the insurance covers it, which is a moving target constantly. Um, and then really it sounds um, like weird, but it's almost like we're, a, we're a, kind of like an Ativan, for lack of a better word, for a mother as we talk through the options and we tell them like that that is not the only option. Like a, a lot of times we're the ones saying, okay, here's the risk benefit. Let's talk about where you are on, on, on the risk, the risk side. And, um, you know, depending on the patient, a lot of times it's, it, it sounds, I don't know, a way to say this politically correct, but we're almost going against what the primary care doctors tell them because they they don't have the experience with fetal maternal and a lot of doctors, physicians, even pharmacists get clammy when they're dealing with a fetal maternal patient and they just tell them come off everything. And so that's really where we hone in our expertise is walking them through the risk benefit, you know, basically looking at the studies breaking it down to them in layman's terms, you know, what could possibly happen, what could happen more importantly, if they're not treated. Um, I think that's a huge area that a lot of people neglect when, when, you know, they say, come off all your anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants or antipsychotics. And this is definitely a sore spot for me personally, because I had to stay on my Fexer, which is an SNRI throughout all three of my pregnancies. And it was a really hard decision for me from a provider standpoint. Um, if a patient said to me, you know, I cannot come off my anxiety meds, I will start having panic attacks and become agoraphobic. It would be really easy for me as a provider to say, well, then, you know, that's not negotiable. You're going to stay on it. And I would talk to them through the risk and benefits, but really hone in that like the, the, the risk is way more or the, excuse me, benefits wildly outweigh the risk because we know that anxiety and depression lead to just as much, if not more um, effects on, on the fetus and the mother, if not treated. So I think really the, the later part of what I said is, is really having that open and honest conversation with the mom 
and then giving them the options and the autonomy to make the choice, but also showing them this is what happens if, if you're not treated, because that is a wildly neglected conversation. So um, hopefully that, that answers your question. <laughs> Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your personal story. So it's not oh just God. you're doing this because you see the need. You've gone through this yourself. And there's no good place, one-stop shopping, because it is so personalized for everybody. Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, pregnant women are this whole in healthcare. Just as you said, the the your your regular doctor that you go to whoever that may be a lot of us don't even have doctors anymore we might just go to a quick care use a telemedicine doctor especially as pharmacists we can diagnose ourselves right and so we can't but if hopefully that never happens but so we don't have that family doctor anymore those days from decades ago are rare I live in Las Vegas. It's very, very difficult to find that stable family doctor. They just don't exist. You're part of big practice clinics. You see PAs and MPs. And if you see an MD, it's probably if something serious is happening. So you become pregnant, right? We have this hole in healthcare. You don't see an obstetrician if you do go to obstetricians and potentially midwives now. And um, from there, you have to wait at least 10 weeks, right? Early. That's about the average. Yeah. Yep. If you go to an obstetrician, they're going to say what they were trained. I've found, and this is my own perception, that they put all their pregnant women or all their postpartum moms on one particular antidepressant. Yep. That's the one that, okay, yes, you're agreeing. That's Let's the one that- or Zoloft you're talking about. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Now, if that mom prior to be prior to pregnancy or gets a referral to a psychiatrist during pregnancy or postpartum, that psychiatrist will say, do what your obstetrician was. And I think it stems from a liability issue. If 100%. you look at it, thank you. Yes. If you look at the history of obstetrics in this country, a lot of what we do is not evidence-based medicine, but became a standard of care many, many decades ago and wasn't updated as we have new new evidence. And that's why we now have the highest maternal morbidity and mortality rate of any developed country. That's not the only reason there's many, it's, it's, it, there's a plethora of reasons, but it's led to this. And that's where this changes. And that's where pharmacists are in that perfect position to feel, to fill that hole in healthcare for maternal health. What you are doing with the system in Florida is just profound because it's going to support that mom what did you say to Ativan? Right. It's yeah, like, it's, I love yeah, this like, just cause that's really where I feel like contractually, sometimes I'm not doing anything except telling the mom it's okay to stay on your meds. It doesn't make you a crappy mom. It actually makes you a better mom for knowing that you need this. And I talk them through like, you know, the risks of an SSRI, which a lot of them really, you know, that questionable pulmonary hypertension that we're, we're not even sure it's linked to um, for the most of them. And then obviously that that withdrawal that can occur after that I find can be negated if you breastfeed because it makes the withdrawal um, less severe. But those are the things that people don't really talk about. Um, and so for that mom to be like, oh, well, okay, like, you, you know, I, and present like all the papers that I've written and I know about, obviously I summarize them, I'm not showing them to the patient, but just 
share with them that like it is just as detrimental for your child to be exposed to this degree of anxiety and depression. And again, that's not something that a lot of providers touch on. They're just so quick knee jerk to be like, get off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the right answer. So you have a train the trainer program, as they say in the sales world, right? Train yeah. the pharmacist. And that's, where we're going to have this bigger reach. So I want to see this take off around the country. We need pharma- yes. pharmacists in the ambulatory care space in the retail space, and of course, more in the hospital as you come from, to reach all the patients at every step, preparing for pregnancy while they're pregnant and postpartum to have that. I love that, that Ativan effect. Let's keep them calm. You know, I work with patients with hyperemesis gravidem, Mm -hmm. so this extreme vomiting. It's caused by the GDF15 gene. Not surprising to us, but to many people, higher stress increases GDF 15 levels. If you can talk to that mom and tell them, I'm a doctor of pharmacy. I spent how many, eight, 10 years studying medications. I've worked with thousands of pregnant women, right? right? And I can tell you, these are your risk benefit. I love the strategy with your 13 question system. Let's look at that range and say, is this benefit over the risk for you. And that's keeping them calm. I think, well, I find, and I am going to guess that you do as well. When somebody's going to Google a med, is this safe in pregnancy? Oh, They're going to get a lot of, <laughs> say it again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it's, you're going to, going to scare the crap out of them. Hundred percent. And lawyers have run wild. Let me use Zofran on Dantatron, for example. Do not oh Google God. it, right? Do not look at the, what the lawyers are saying about on Dantatron. And my heart goes out to the moms who did take it and had a baby with birth defects. I'm not taking anything away from them, but when we look at the evidence, the studies that yeah. came out in Europe showing these increased risks have have so many flaws in those studies, and we have so many more studies now showing that. Andantatron does not cause teratogenic effects. Now, that said, there are potential adverse effects on the mom. We're looking at constipation, potential QT prolongation if it's in a mom with other medications or electrolyte imbalances, right? So there's things that we still need to talk about that the other practitioners seem to miss where the pharmacist is that perfect person to calm those fears and say, let's prevent that constipation from happening. Let's, you do go back in the hospital, ask for that EKG so we can see how your QT is. Things that they wouldn't otherwise know. And Jenna, thank you so much for filling in that space. Oh, same to you. Same to you. Yeah. I think, like I said, it's almost like moms are just paying me to, or, you know, perfecting peace just to honestly like have that resource. And then too, like I'll, I'll share with you just a personal, we, we do a lot of like check-ins with our patients through um, doc station. They're amazing, but you can actually text your patients. So they'll, they'll text us and it can be, you know, anything. And a lot of it's like just having someone at your fingertips that like what cough and cold medicine can I take? Um, you know, it just puts the, their, their mind at ease. Even uh, first time mom texts just yesterday, hey, like my mucus plug fell out. Like, do I have to call the provider? I'm like, no, it means nothing. Your baby may come t- tomorrow or weeks from now. Um, but sometimes it's like, you know, really just having that at like a reliable medical resource 
does wonders for patients. And so exactly like you're saying, they're not going on to Google and looking up all these things and finding the, the wackiest information, inaccurate information possible um, is really where I feel like pharmacists can shine in this patient population. Absolutely. We have Dr. Quinn, not Dr. Google. Yeah, exactly. Same, same to you. Um, yeah, but and then, you know, like I said, there's always so many questions on, you know, I don't feel well. Is this safe? Is this not safe? And, and that's, again, where we really can use our expertise, because a lot of times, you know, I'm not knocking anybody who's su super into like holistic or naturopathic ways, but it's almost like moms will torture themselves instead of taking the appropriate medication to relieve their symptoms. And so that's where I feel like we, we really can shine. Absolutely. And there may or may not be alternative medicines or right. supplements and some supplements can be just as dangerous. And the pharmacists, our retail colleagues as well, a lot of them specialize in that. So right. we need to get that network on board as well. It's really fantastic. I want to touch upon one more thing. We have a few more minutes here. Janet, you stepped into a space as well that hasn't been mentioned. And you and I were just briefly talking earlier when you're working as a pharmacist and you're pregnant and you're working as a pharmacist and you're postpartum and you want to breastfeed, the yeah. systems in place do not support those who have these needs, right? We, a right. lot of retail pharmacies, they don't have stools or chairs for our pregnant moms. They don't have rooms to breastfeed. I just want to put this nice shining light out there as I have worked with retail pharmacies who are able to breastfeed in their retail setting and my mind is blown. Amazing. Yeah. My, I am like in awe to them. And if they can give advice, I'm looking for the future with retail pharmacy being 70% female, that the retail pharmacy setting can be designed by female architects and engineers for the needs, for our needs as women, not yeah. to put down the men, but we have this need that hasn't been addressed. And I'm really excited for the future for this to happen. So you found a way, you told me you would go on codes and still be able to pump. Please share how you did that. Yeah, so uh, this conversation started because in the beginning of our meeting, um, which is so nice, like I knew Danielle wouldn't care that I was breastfeeding. Of course, she couldn't see anything, but, you know, there's so many times where, so there's, look, you can hear, she's clearly awake, <laughs> um, but there's, there's so many times where, and avenues where um, it's not conducive to breastfeeding, but now, so I can actually give you two different uh, viewpoints. So that my first daughter, who is um, six and a half, she was born in the um, pre um, the pre portable pump phase, or, or we should say cordless pump phase. And so I would have to. Um, this actually is true. We there was there was only two lactation rooms that were three buildings over in the hospital. Um, which was not feasible to make it all the way over there to pump and come back um, in a reasonable amount of time, let alone like your patient's orders would be piling up. So I um, adapted and probably would be frowned upon uh, that I just found, I asked the, the medical residents if I could pump in their on-call room because it was like right on the floor and I could be like in and out in like 20 minutes 
and bring the computer in to work. So that was how I made it work the first time around. But there was times when I would, a code would be called and I'd be throwing off my pump and there'd be milk spilling everywhere. And so, you know, there's a lot of things you can't plan for when you're a pharmacist as it evolves around patient care and a lot of, um, you know, our settings. And then the last two pregnancies, I, I don't want to seem like I am uh, talking poorly about where I used to be because I had the best manager and boss possible, but I really was uh, shocked um, and really disappointed at their lack of maternity leave for patients who were just shy of that thousand uh, hour mark in New Jersey. So for both of my girls, my younger two, Hadley and Avery, I actually had to go back at six weeks postpartum. Um, and to say it killed me was an understatement and it lit a fire under my uh, ASS to make my company come to fruition to provide not only good medical leaves for, you know, my myself or, or better working conditions for females, but also for other uh, female pharmacists as well. So with them, I went back at six weeks and um, as any lactating woman knows, like that's like when your milk is still like coming in and you have to, you're feeding like every two hours. Um, and so with them, I use the Willow, which is the portable pump. Um, I use the Willow for Hadley and then for Avery, I use a much, much cheaper version that my employer actually covered. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Free Me. Uh, but now there's tons of um, electron, like, you know, portable electronic uh, pumps that you just slip in. So you could literally do it like in public um, and you pump for, you know, that 20 minutes and it will actually automate and turn off. Um, the pump is connected to your phone. So if you get to like it's four ounces, most of them, four or six, or that time it will just pump off. It will just um, shut off. So it always happened, you know, as time would have it that I would get the fullest um, in the morning around nine. So I would round with the portable pump. And then um, there was many times which um, my nurses would would always make funny comments um, in a not funny uh, environment, but um, there was numerous pediatric codes where I was breastfeeding, pulling up meds for these children. But um, it, again, it's not, I can't, can't say it was easy, but it gave me a feasible um, solution that was, that was, you know, I was able to, to maintain working and breastfeeding my children, which to me was really, really important. <clears throat> Truly an inspiration, Jenna. It's not easy. And like all the other pharmacists out there that go through pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even if you're not breastfeeding, leaving that baby at home, six weeks is the standard in the United States to return to work. Like you said, the laws don't support us. When I work with women who are sick or have diseases during pregnancy, the FMLA doesn't begin to touch what it takes to recover from that and be able to get back to work. And 
like most of us, we love our job. We love what we do. And pregnancy should not be something that holds us back from growing in our career. So change is on the horizon. You are leading the way. Thank you so very much. If you could give one piece of advice to all of our colleagues about how to support maternal health, what would it be? Um, try to educate yourself. Like I said, we're, we're going to make this CE public on maternal fetal wellness. It's going to be 20 CEs, um, looking there's, there's not a ton, but ACOG has great, um, references, but really trying to educate yourself on, um, whether or not this med is safe before, you know, having that knee jerk reflex of saying, no, it's not. Um, also I love um, now that they do for lactation, that they do the relative infant dose. So if you look um, up any of the lactation on any of your major uh, resources, um, you can find that it tells you the relative infant dose. So how much that dose of, that the infant's going to see in a mix per kg um, breakdown per per you know per their their weight essentially, um, which is awesome. So they, you can easily see that a lot of times, most drugs, if the relative infant dose is less than 10%, it's, it's safe. Um, so I think there's, there's the literature's out there. And so, um, you know, I, I really highly just encourage pharmacists to do their extra due diligence and, and educate themselves on, on what is safe and not safe so that you know, that, that patient like myself that needed effects or to live isn't told to come off of it and absolutely paralyzed or even more, you know, traumatizing or what could potentially happen is they say, well, I can't live without this. So I can't have children. And the last note is I can't tell you how many providers during my pregnancy told me to stop my medications. And Thank God for my personal education <laughs> that I knew it wasn't necessary. But again, my mind goes back to that lay female who already feels bad that they need this medication to survive. And now, um, you know, they, they're having who they view as the ultimate resource, tell them to come off. Um, it, it would leave them no choice but to do so. So again, please do your due diligence before you tell, you know, before you tell a woman to come off a medication. Jenna, truly incredible, life-changing for so many women, starting with yourself, those that need our help. We are all here as a profession to help anyone going forward through pregnancy, preparing for pregnancy and postpartum. Thank you so much for being on today. And if anyone wants to find you, how do they reach you? Yeah, so... Um... We have numerous ways. We are on uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, if you just type in Perfecting Peds, we also have a perfectingpeds.com website. Um, and then uh, we also, I also have my personal LinkedIn where I'm very active at Jenna with one N, so J-E-N-A, and then Quinn with two, two N's, Q-U-I-N-N. Um, and yeah, just help, just love advocating to push our our career and our entire profession in, in a positive direction because of just the amount of things that we can do that can truly save lives and, and change our patients' lives. And, and that's it, right? Change lives, save our patients' lives in the next generation coming forward through maternal health. Jenna, Dr. Quinn, thank you so much. Really appreciate it and excited for the future. 
Same here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you everyone for listening. Please share if you found this valuable or reach out if you'd like to be a guest. Thank you so much.